Open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You will notice we are skipping ahead in our uh, trek through 1 Corinthians. We uh, we ended in uh, chapter 7 last week. And we jumped ahead to chapter 15 that we might deal with the resurrection this morning. The, The entire chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is about the resurrection. So that's why we are where we are this morning. So if you turn there in your Bibles, we'll get started here. All right, this morning, boy, we've got exciting stuff. I, I'm tell you, I'm, I'm really excited about today. Uh, just the good news that we've received from the Word of God. We've had some tough, uh, tough stuff in the last two or three weeks. Just going through First Corinthians, some really sticky issues. And today, today we just get all gravy. Okay, this is all gravy. Just good stuff from the Lord today about the resurrection. So First Corinthians 15. I'll begin reading in verse 12. <clears throat> Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he he has raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who, who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Verse 20, here it comes. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for... Um, The gift of the resurrection. God, thank you that you raised up Jesus Christ, that you put your stamp of approval upon our Savior, that you exalted him into the heavenlies, that he sits at the right hand of the throne of God, that those of us who are joined to Christ have the great hope of resurrection. Father, we thank you for those gifts, and we pray, God, that you would just make that clear through the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, let let us understand it in a more crisp way. Father, let us live uh, in view of our resurrected Jesus. Father, we ask it in your name. Amen. All right, we've been going through uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, kind of verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And the theme of this has been the church is a mess, okay? The theme of the whole kind of study through the church, uh, through 1 Corinthians is the church is a mess. And that's because this church had a lot of struggles, okay? They had a lot of confused ideas. Let me give you some of them uh, that we've already looked at. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've looked at how they thought sexual morality was not a big deal. They're, they were confused. They thought marriage wasn't a big deal. Again, confused. Uh, they thought suing their brother wasn't a big deal. Man, confused. Uh, they were all split up into little groups and factions and they were disunified. Just all kinds of messy stuff in this church. But today we have probably the most dangerous thing that was going on in First Corinthians, in, 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 the, in the church at Corinth that Paul writes about in First Corinthians. And that was that we don't know how many people, hopefully it was just one or two or three, but we don't know how many people thought this, but there were people that were actually saying that there is no resurrection. Okay. They were saying that, there, that people aren't resurrected from the dead, that there is nothing after death. Okay. And so Paul basically writes this book saying, all right, if you're saying there is no resurrection, then all these things would be true. Okay. All these horrific, terrible, bad things would be true, depressing things. Okay. But then he comes back and says, however, if there is a resurrection, which there is, 
then all of these things are true. Okay, so do you understand kind of where we're going? Paul's playing the devil's advocate here. He's saying, all right, you say there's no resurrection, you're wrong. And here's how ridiculous it is. If you were right, here would be all the things that would be true. But since you aren't right and there is a resurrection, here are the truths that we hold on to. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going. And this is big stuff, okay? This really matters. Let me tell you why it matters to me. It matters to me because I want to know what happens after death, okay? I mean, that that matters to me. It matters to me because I know one day I'm going to die. And and listen, what's at stake here is real life after death, okay? That's what the Bible proclaims to us. That's what the Bible describes to us. That's what Jesus testifies in his resurrection is possible in him, is real life after death. Now, I'm not talking about some kind of disembodied spirit floating around in the air, okay? You hear all kinds of crazy stuff, right? I'm not talking about, you know, being a ghost and you're just kind of a creeper, you know, you just kind of go into people's living room and watch them sleep, you know, and, and, you know, watch them at work and, you know, that, that kind of crazy stuff that people believe. We're not talking about that kind of thing. We're not talking about some kind of boring existence where you kind of float cloud to cloud with a harp and a loincloth, you know, we're not talking, I don't even know where people get these pictures of what happens after death, but it's not that. We're not talking about, you know, some kind of, uh, being joined to mother nature spirit. Have you heard that kind of stuff, you know, or you die and then you're a part of a caterpillar or a butterfly or a leaf or, and, you know, my luck would be like a cockroach or some kind of silly thing, you know. Hey, we're not talking about any of that, okay? We're talking about what the Bible says is after death, there is the possibility with Jesus' resurrection of real life, okay? Real life, okay? Real, okay? Not, not, not some kind of fake, silly stuff. Real life with relationships and purpose and adventure and real bodies. That's the importance of the resurrection. Jesus was raised from the dead in a real, resurrected, glorified, recreated body. And he promises those who follow him will be resurrected from the dead with a real, recreated, resurrected, glorified body in which we will live forever in his kingdom and explore the new heavens and the new earth in a life that will belong to those who are under the reign of King Jesus. That is what is at stake in the resurrection, okay? That's a lot, okay? That's a lot. That's that's everything. And so what we want to do is we want to follow Paul's line of thought, okay? If you say there's no resurrection, if in your mind there's no resurrection, here are the things that are true. But if there is a resurrection, here are the things that are true, okay? That's where we're going. So, Number one, okay? If there is no resurrection, if the tomb is not empty, if Jesus' tomb is full right now, it's occupied, he's still there, okay? If the tomb is not empty, then the gospel is empty, okay? The gospel that we preach is an empty gospel. Now, let me, let me clarify what I mean by the gospel. And we have a great opportunity here while we're in 1 Corinthians 15 to, to give you a couple of verses that really summarize the gospel. Verses 3 and 4. So let's read them together, or I'll read them. You, you follow along. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then it goes on to talk about everybody who saw and evidenced and testified of Jesus' resurrection. So what, what is the gospel? Is that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the heart of the gospel. And so what Paul is saying is, if there is no resurrection, there is no gospel. Okay, There's no good news. Now, some of you might... Might be be thinking along the lines. Well, hold on, Pastor. Even if we take away the resurrection, we still got all kinds of good stuff, don't we? I mean, we got Jesus coming down out of heaven, being born, you know, of a virgin, um, living a sinless life. You know, all those great teachings, all those miracles, walking on water, you know, feeding the 5,000, healing the leper, healing the blind, healing the paralytic. I mean, we got all that great stuff. And then, then we've got Jesus' death. You know, I mean, how important is that, right? That Jesus actually went to the cross as an innocent man and died a substitutionary death for my sins, okay? 
And so you might say, well, pastor, even if we take away the resurrection, we still got all that good stuff. All that stuff doesn't matter if there's no resurrection, okay? It doesn't matter. Let me tell you why it doesn't matter. I mean, the whole sermon is actually the rest of why it doesn't matter. You know, but let me give you one point here. The, the, the point I want you to turn your attention to is that our salvation is all based on our union to Jesus Christ, okay? Now, now that's all through the Bible. We just baptized a young man over at Fifth Street in the last service, Blake uh, Walker. And, and one of the verses I went over with him over and over again was Romans 6, 3 and 4. Listen to what it says. It says, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus. Do you see the imagery there? Into Christ Jesus, okay? We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see, the the story of of the gospel is that when we turn away from our sins, that's called repentance, by the way. Repentance is when you say, I don't want to sin anymore. I'm not going to live in my sins. I, I don't want to be disobedient to Jesus. I'm turning away from my sins. And then and, and faith, put your faith in Christ. I'm putting my faith in Christ. The Bible says you are joined to Jesus Christ by faith. Okay. So you're tethered to Christ. Okay. Everybody got that picture in your mind? You're joined to Jesus. You're connected to Jesus. You're tethered to Jesus so that his fate is your fate. His future is your future. His death is for you. His life is for you. That's the good news of the gospel. And if we are tethered to Jesus Christ in Jesus Jesus' resurrection, then in his death and his burial, then we'll be tethered to him in his resurrection. Okay, look at it this way. Here's a little silly illustration. Um, it just it helps me. Okay, maybe it doesn't help you, but it helps me. Okay, picture this in your mind. Okay. Picture that there's a rope around Jesus' leg, okay? Just, again, silly, I know. Picture, okay? There's a rope around Jesus' leg, okay? It's around his ankle. It's tied securely around his ankle, okay? The rope extends to all those who put their faith in Christ, okay? So in May of 1990, when I said, you know what? I'm done living my own way. I'm done with my my pitiful life here. I'm turning away from sin, putting my faith in Christ. Boom! The rope is connected to my arm, okay? So... It's connected to Jesus' ankle. It's connected to my arm. Here's what happens, all right? Jesus goes to the cross, and he goes, dives into death, and he dives into the grave, and he dives into the wrath of God, and he absorbs the wrath of God for my sins. And if he stays there, if that's the end of the story, then I'm connected to Jesus, and Jesus is where? He's dead. He he suffered the wrath of God. He's in the grave. That's it. So I'm connected to a dead man in the grave is what I'm connected to. But folks, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is Jesus goes into death, into the grave, into the wrath of God. And three days later on Sunday morning, you know what happens, right? He comes out of death, out of grave, out of the grave, out of sin, out of the wrath of God. To to, to live, okay? But not just to live, okay? Here's where it gets really exciting, okay? Not just to live. I mean, it's one thing for, for, for like Lazarus. We read about that, or we read about that in John chapter 11. For Lazarus to die, and then Jesus raised him from the dead. What happened? When he came back, and he's the same guy, right? You know, he, he comes out of the tomb, he goes back to his home, Mary and Martha fix him a peanut butter jelly sandwich, and he turns on the TV, you know? I mean, he's just living the same life, okay? That was not Jesus' resurrection, okay? Let, 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 me, let me read you some passages here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And what? 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion and above every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and he gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So here's the picture, okay? Jesus has got the rope around his ankle. It's tied to everyone who who puts their faith in him. They're tethered to Christ. They're in Christ. Jesus dives into death, into the grave, into sin, into taking and absorbing the wrath of God for us on Sunday morning. He comes out of the grave, back to life, resurrected to life, but not just to life, but all the way above every power and every dominion and every authority and every ruler and all things under his feet, all the way into the heavens to the right hand of the throne of God. And there he sits today with all power. That's the story of the resurrection, all right? And if he's tethered to me and everyone who believes, that's good news, okay? That's good news. I want to be connected to that guy, okay? Now, what the resurrection teaches us here in Ephesians 1, very clearly notice it says he is resurrected to be far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. You know what that means? Jesus Christ is now unstoppable, okay? Nothing can touch him, okay? Death is the worst thing that can happen to us. Jesus faced death, came through on the other side. He is the original superhero, okay? You know why people like superheroes? Because they can't be touched. I mean, that's why, that's why we like all those silly movies, you know, about laser vision and and you know, that's why people like Jason Bourne, you know, man, you shoot him 20 times. Somehow he didn't die. You know, I mean, just we like people that are unstoppable. There's only one who's unstoppable. It's Jesus Christ. OK. And the Bible says we're tethered to Jesus Christ. Now, listen, let, let me let me give you the implications of that for us. Turn in your Bibles again to Ephesians 2. We just were in Ephesians 1. Now look at Ephesians 2. Verses 4 through 7. And please, 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 if you are not excited about this, fake it, okay? Because I cannot bear to read these scriptures and see you bored, okay? I mean, that's just, just for me, for my own sanity, just fake it, all right? All right, listen, verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Do you see it? Do you see the union there? Do you see the connection? He made us alive together. Together with Christ, when I turn from my sins, when you turn from your sins and put your faith in Christ, you're made alive together with Christ. You're connected to Jesus' life, okay? Made us together, alive together with Christ, okay? Uh, lost my place. Uh, by grace you have been saved. Verse 6, okay? And raised us up. Okay, here it goes. He goes down into death, down into the grave, down down absorbing the wrath of God, okay? In verse 6, he raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where does the rope go? It's in the heavenly places. Where are we going to go? In the heavenly places, okay? We're connected to Jesus. And then verse 7 is just unbelievably good. So that in the coming ages, in the new heavens, in the new earth for all eternity, okay, what's coming forever and ever, so that in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God is going to dump his riches on us forever and ever and ever in ages to come just as a display of his incredible glory. Okay, that's the story. You're not excited enough. Back it up to verse six. I'm telling you. All right, we're going to read it together in an attempt that you might be revved up. All right, verse 6, ready? And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's good stuff. That is good. 
connected to Jesus. Okay? If nothing else, it woke you up. Before you were drifting off, now you're awake. We got another shot at you. All right, so let's keep going, okay? Without the resurrection, Paul says our faith in Christ would be meaningless. That's in verse 14. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Okay? Notice down in uh, verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's futile. Okay, here's the deal about faith. Faith is only as good as what you put it in. You ever hear people say, man, I got faith in myself. Okay? I always go, you know, because here's what I think. I continually disappoint myself. Is anybody else, you know? I mean, I continually blow it, you know? And so if I got faith in myself, that oh, that's great. You know, that's oh, wonderful. You know, I'm really confident things are going to go great, you know? Faith in, or people will say things like, well, I just have faith that everything's going to turn out okay. Yeah, you know what that is? That's wish upon a star, tooth fairy, Easter bunny, Santa Claus stuff, okay? I mean, it, it's just, it's nothing. I mean, what does that mean? What, is, what do you have your faith in? Your faith has got to be in something, okay? To have faith means I am trusting, depending upon something. What is it? Well, if Jesus is not raised, then it's a dead Jesus. Okay? And that's bad news. Okay? It's bad, it's bad news to have your faith in, in, in someone who's in the grave. Okay? But because he lives, okay, let's, let's switch this around. Paul says, look, if Jesus is not alive, then, then your faith is futile. If Jesus is alive, then you have great confidence in Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the throne of God and whom is all power and authority over everything in the universe, okay? And, and that's good news, friends, because I can trust that Jesus. I can put my life and my money and my marriage and my children and my health and my days and my death and my eternity. I can, I can trust him for that because he is alive, because I'm trusting the one whose very word holds together the universe every atom in the galaxy is held together by the by the providential word of jesus christ i can trust that guy without the resurrection we and i'm saying me um if you if you if you if you ever tell anybody about jesus you ever bear witness you ever tell someone you're a christian you tell them what it means okay if jesus is not resurrected you're a liar Okay? If Jesus is not raised from the dead, you've just, been, you've just been spouting lies. Verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he, is, that, that he has raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. Listen, folks. If Jesus Christ is not raised, you got a whole bunch of liars. Starting at the very beginning, okay? You got, you got willful liars at the beginning, okay? You got Peter, Paul, John, Thomas, Bartholomew, James, James, the brother of Jesus, Andrew, Mary. I mean, you got all 500 people at one time. You've got all of them willfully lying, okay? And some people are going to say, well, you know, I've heard a professor say this one day. Well, they weren't lying. They were, just, they were just mixed up. They were just confused. They thought they saw Jesus, but they didn't. You know, Hey, I can believe that about some things. You know that Sasquatch story that's on that one channel, you know? These guys go out in the woods, you know, with their little lights, and, you know, and they make sounds, you know? And I saw him, I saw him, you know? And the camera goes, and the, the, the weaves are, leaves are blowing, you know? And it's like, okay, I, I can get that you can be confused about some things, okay? But the, the testimony of the Scriptures, these guys had a fish fry with Jesus, okay? These guys ate supper with Jesus. He showed up from time to time, week after week, day after day. You know, they saw him ascend into heaven. Thomas put his hands in Jesus' nail scars. He put his hand up in his side, okay? that You don't do that. 500 people don't have the same delusion, okay? I'm not saying that 500 people can't be delusional. I 
I believe they can. But they can't have the same delusion on the same day for, for months at a time, okay? And, and you're saying, well, maybe they just lied. Maybe they just made this up. Okay, let's, let's, let's unpack that. Why do people lie? I mean, why is your kid... You, know, you got a two-year-old. Why, why, why when you say, did you eat that candy? They go, hmm. Why, why do they do that? They do that for two reasons. Number one, stay out of trouble, okay? Number two, to somehow better yourself, okay? That's why people lie, okay? Okay, so if, if we're saying these guys lied, they're the stupidest people in the history of the world, okay? Because you know what it got them? What did it get Peter? Well, he was crucified upside down. What, what did it get James? He lost his head, okay? What, what did, most all of them were martyred. They were all chased. They were either in exile. They had everything taken from them. They were impoverished. I mean, who lies to, to ruin your life, you know? I mean, who, how many of you this, this, this year, you lied on your tax return, but, but you lied in such a way where you had to pay more money, you know? I mean, you're just like, man, I, we're going to lie, honey. We're going to cheat the government. And we're going to pay 10000 more than we have to. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I mean, who does that? Nobody does that. I mean, it's just ridiculous to say that, that these men lied for what? Friends, if, if there is no resurrection, this is, this is all just stupid stuff. Man. Pastor Andrew and I, we're going to become professional mountain bikers if there's no resurrection. We are not doing this, okay? Randall's going to be our sponsor and coach. Listen. Because he lives, though, it's very important. It's all true. So how do you know it's true? Listen, you line up Muhammad, Gandhi, Confucius, um, go ahead and put Freud in there, uh, put Darwin in there, um, put Buddha in there, put them, put them all, line up, line them all up, line Jesus up and go ahead and let them, let them each one speak. You know, let them tell what, here's what I think about life. Here's what, here's, here's who God is. Here's what salvation is. Let, let them all speak. Okay. And then they all die, which, which happened. Okay. The guy that raises from the dead, that's the one I'm listening to. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? That's the one I'm, I, listen, I want the guy that comes out of the grave. Okay, I mean, that's just a basic principle. Listen, I don't want to ask the computer guy who can't get on the Internet about my computer. Okay, I don't want to go to the mechanic who can't start his car. I don't want to go to the personal trainer who's got a donut in one hand and can't run a mile. I'm not going to them. And I don't want to go to a savior who's dead in the ground. I want the one who's living. I want the one who came through death, who came through the grave, who came through the judgment of God. And I want that guy. I want I want to come to him. So why do we believe the Bible? Because we believe the Bible because Jesus raised from the dead. And it's never been proven otherwise. Verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Okay? Listen, if Jesus, you're saying, but he died for my sins. Yeah, but if he's not been raised, listen, you've got no advocate. You've got no one standing before God the Father for you. You've got no one interceding for you. you you've got no one who, with whom the Father is pleased and you are connected to. You've got no one in heaven, okay? If, 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 if Jesus has not been raised, then death affected him just like it would affect us. Then the grave affected him just like it would affect us. Then he's perishing just like we will perish. 
But listen, the truth of the scriptures is, is that God gladly accepted Jesus' sacrifice. And as a show of that, he raised him from the dead. Okay, look at Philippians chapter 2. And there's lots of verses, passages like this in the Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, being found in, in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then notice verse 9. Therefore, okay, Jesus obe- obeys God. He follows God. He humbles himself. He submits himself to die on a cross for your sins. And then it says, therefore, okay, because of that, because of what Jesus did, God highly exalts him and bestows on him the name that's above every name, that is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what that's saying? It's saying God looked at Jesus' sacrifice and he was pleased and he raises Jesus from the dead and exalts him. And now we have someone at the right hand of God with whom God is well pleased. God's not always well pleased with you, okay? Because you're a sinner and I'm a sinner and we transgress. But if we're in Christ, okay, if we're tethered to Christ, then God looks at his son and Jesus is our advocate. He stands before God for us on our behalf. Friends, you've got a lawyer in heaven. It's not Brian Billings. It is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Okay. First John chapter two, verse one says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he's the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours also, but also for the sins of the whole world. The picture there is that we have Jesus pleading for us before the right hand of God. So when you sin, Jesus is covering that sin with his own life, with his own blood. He's appealing before the Father on your behalf, and God is well pleased with Jesus. Verse 18, without the resurrection, our friends and our loved ones in Christ, they're gone. If there is no resurrection, they perished. Verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ. Let me, let me explain that, that term. Okay, and we'll explain falling asleep here in a minute. Okay, but what Paul means is they've died in Christ. Okay? Means they, they were followers of Jesus. They gave their life to Christ. They loved Jesus. They, they followed him. They trusted him. Okay? And then they died. They died of cancer. They died in a car wreck. They died of old age. They, they died. Okay? And Paul says, if there is no resurrection, they have perished. Okay, death is a brutal reality, isn't it? Many of you have lost people very close to you, maybe a parent or a child or a spouse or a friend. Death ripped them from your life. It stole away the plans you had, the dreams you had, the hopes you had. Took from you people who were your comfort and your encouragement and your affection and your joy. And the Bible says very clearly, Paul says here, if there is no resurrection, that's the end. That's it. End of story. It's done. I don't want to do another funeral if there is no resurrection. I will not do another funeral. If I somehow am convinced that Jesus did not rise from the dead, I, I'm done with funerals. I'm done going. Because there's no, there's no hope. I've got one Wednesday. I won't do it if there's no resurrection. Because i got nothing to say. If, if there is no resurrection, then, then these people have perished. There, there's no way out of their sins. All there is is the cold, hard reality of death. That's it. They're simply gone from us. They're not coming back. There's not going to be a reunion. They're perishing in their sins, just like we will perish in our sins. 
And friends, listen, listen. Here's what Paul's saying. Because Jesus lives, my grandpa Tom lives. Because Jesus lives, our brother Kenny Bowers lives. Because Jesus lives, the apostle Paul and the psalmist David and Abraham and Moses and Martin Luther and Charles Spurgeon and your loved ones who followed and trusted Christ and died as a believer, they live. And not only does their soul live, but someday soon they'll be resurrected when Jesus comes back and their bodies will be recreated and they'll have a resurrection body in which they will live in the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus forever and ever. That's the truth of the resurrection. And friends, if if, if there's no resurrection, let me tell you, this life's pretty frustrating, okay? I mean, our bodies wear out. They don't work like they're supposed to. There's emotional problems. There's sin that wrecks everything. And if there is no resurrection, that's all there is. But with the resurrection, there is new life. There is life as God intended it forever and ever. Verse 19, last thing. There's no resurrection, and we are some pitiful folks here today. Why are we even here? Man, I even wore a jacket, and it's terrible. I'm sweating. I hate it. I'm only doing it on Easter, too. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hoped in Christ... We are of all people most to be pitied. Bunch of pitiful, silly folks if there is no resurrection. Why is that? Well, if you've been to Lincoln very long, you know that everything that we believe centers on Jesus. We make shirts all the time that Jesus is greater than anything. You know, that's what we believe. We believe that we get to God through Jesus. We believe we're forgiven and justified and sanctified and glorified in our connection with Jesus. We believe that we are guided by the mind of Christ and we're full of hope because of what Jesus promises to do. We, we trust our lives to Jesus. We take our problems to Jesus. We pray to Jesus. We anticipate his return. We're overjoyed about his coming kingdom. We anxiously await seeing him and being transformed to be like him. We rest in the truth that Jesus will right every wrong. He will slay his enemies. He will establish the kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. All our hopes, our dreams, our righteousness, our comfort is found in Jesus. And if Jesus is not raised, if there is no Jesus, then we have none of that. None of it. It None of it matters. And why are we living the Christian life? Have you not noticed that the Christian life is hard? Anybody notice that? Anybody aware of that? Okay, if you're not aware of that, you're not living it, okay? Because it's hard. I mean, I mean, giving of your life to others, loving God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, fighting against your flesh, investing your time and money and energy in others, knowing that Christ will be more to you than anything you give up, okay? That's the Christian life. You can tell when, 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 you, when you see people who believe the resurrection. You know why? Because they're the people who give generously. I mean, why in the world would you give 10 or 20 or 30% of your money to the kingdom. What sense does that make unless you believe in the resurrection? They're the people who invest their time, their evenings. Man, they they come and they minister to children and they minister to their neighbor and they, they share the gospel. I mean, why would you do any of that if Jesus is not raised from the dead? Paul says it's a big waste of time if Christ is not raised from the dead. In fact, in verse 32, he says, look, if Jesus is not raised, then here's 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 my advice to you. Okay. Verse 32, Paul says, what do I gain? 
If humanly speaking, I fought with beasts in Ephesus. Okay, you're saying, what does that mean? What that means is Paul's, Paul's talking about his own Christian life. There was a time where because of sharing the gospel, he got thrown into the arena and attacked, okay? I mean, th- this guy is literally, I mean, his life is being spent for the gospel and for Christ. And he's saying, man, what good does that do if Christ is not raised? And then look, notice verse 32. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Okay? I mean, that's the rule. If there is no resurrection, then you know what you need to do? You need to get up right now and you go back to Fellowship Paul and see if there's any more donuts, okay? Because, I mean, that's, that's all. I mean, just grab any bit of pleasure you can, okay? And probably after you go to the donuts, you probably ought to go to the liquor store, you know? I mean, I mean, really, I mean, I'd probably close today. Ah, you know, I mean, you, you ought to just go out, get, I mean, don't work hard. I mean, don't invest in people. I mean, probably leave your kids here because they're just going to mess up your life, you know? I mean, I mean, if Christ is not raised, Paul says, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That's it. Just get whatever little bit of pleasure you can out of life because that's it. You know, it's interesting. There's a whole lot of people in our world that live just like that. And you know why they live that? Have you ever thought about that? Some of you, I've, I've heard you. You've been frustrated. You, some of you love. Like, why do they keep doing that? Why? Why do they... Why do they keep turning to that? Why do they, why do they disobey God? Why, why do they just, all, all they live for is these little pleasures, you know, and they just go back. You know why? They don't believe in the resurrection. And if you don't believe in the resurrection, I mean, if there's nothing else, if there's no Jesus, if there's no help, if there's no one to turn to, if there's no advocate, if there's no forgiveness of sins, if there's no, if there's no forgiveness of guilt, if there's no new life, if there's no new heavens and new earth, if there's no eternity with Christ, if there's none of that, if it's you live this hard, struggling life on earth and then you die and that's it, and you, you're punished forever for your sins, if that's all it is, grab another donut, please. I mean, at least have that two seconds of, whoo, you know. Man, why turn the other cheek? You know, if Jesus is not raised, get the brick. You know, I mean, I, I don't. Why be faithful? Why, why be a person of integrity? Why be honest? Man, get whatever you can, a little bit out of life, because it's going, going, gone. It's tragic. Whether people would say that or not, that's exactly how a lot of people live. But if Jesus is raised, my friends, if the king is on his throne right now, oh, live for him. I don't need donuts. I don't need all that other stuff. I still like him, but I don't need him. Live for Jesus. Give your life for Jesus. Pour yourself out for Jesus. Run hard after Jesus. Why? Because he sits at the throne. And you know what? He will pour into you far more than you could ever pour out. Okay? Now, see, that's what a, that's what a Christian believes. That's what, that's what someone who believes in the resurrection believes. Man, I, I'll pour out my life for Christ because he's going to pour in far more than I'll ever pour out. And someday I, I'm going to die. But you know what? It's not going to be death. Okay? Notice how Paul describes it for those who are in Christ. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ, if Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
Okay? For a believer, death is not really even death. You know what it is? It's a nap, okay? Now, if I ask you, how do you feel about death? Some of you would say, that's not a very good word. If I ask you, how do you feel about a nap? Wow! You know, I mean, there'd be, there'd be great cheers of joy, right? Some of you are taking one right now. You know, it's so good, right? We like naps. We like sleep. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that, man. You, you go to sleep, you're rested, it's nice. You wake up, you're refreshed. It's a new day. You got energy, you got strength. The sun's shining, new opportunities. Jesus says, that's what death is for a believer. Man, it's just, it's just a nap. And your soul goes to be with Christ and your body's coming up out of the grave as Jesus comes back and there's a new day dawning for the kingdom and the new heavens and the new earth. Man, that's good news. Verse 24 and 25 says, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power, for he must reign. Jesus is going to reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Folks, that's the story of a living, risen Jesus. Let me just leave you with this thought. You look at your life, let me ask you this Do you live like there is a resurrection? Or like there isn't a resurrection. We should live like. It's going to be one or the other. Is Jesus alive? Is he well? Is he watching? Is he seeing your life? Are you tethered to him? Or is Jesus this thing you kind of give a nod to because everybody else does? But you, honestly, I th- there are some people, they don't really think Jesus can help. They don't really think Jesus is going to help them forgive. They don't really think Jesus is going to minister to them. They don't really think Jesus is going to to make things right in their life. They don't really think they're going to get strength, encouragement. They live like Jesus is not alive. My friends, he's alive. I want you to be joined to him. The Bible says we're joined to Christ through faith. By the grace of God, by God's free gift of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and by our faith in Him, our connection to Christ through faith. Let me pray for you. Oh, God, thank you for this good news. Lord, I'm so excited about our risen Savior. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that He lives. Thank you that all authority has been given to Him. Thank you that He reigns forever and ever. And thank you, Jesus, that you have, have offered to to scoop us up in your victory, that we might be connected to you forever. God, I pray for faith, God, faith to believe, faith to to grab hold of these incredible realities for each person in this room. I pray that you draw them to yourself, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.